Hey there, and welcome to another episode of Dug Up and Dusted Off. I am your host, Jim McRae, and today is a great day to discover how to live your best life, reach for the stars, and achieve the impossible. Remember, when anything or anyone has tried to bury you, it's time to dig yourself up, dust off, and learn to live again. It's so good to have you on with another episode of Dug Up and Dusted Off. I'm your host, Jim McCray, and just another great day to to take a chance and to start doing something new with our lives. If anybody or anything or anyone has ever tried to bury you, uh, these episodes, episodes are here to help you uh, move out and move forward. It, it happens to us all. Life does happen to us, and, it, and it's not easy at times, but it is a place where uh, you can learn to live again, and uh, I'm living proof of it, and so many others are. So uh, we want to welcome you today uh, to another episode. It is a uh, something I've been wanting to talk about for a little while now, and, and it's about uh, what what really gives meaning to life. And and for me, I've discovered what gives meaning to life is is one thing, and that's being able to stop when God calls me to stop and to to be able to rearrange my my calendar so that somebody who is in need can be helped. I mean, that's the whole point of life. I mean, what we think the whole point of life is, is, is going out and getting a great job. And I'll never forget in, you know, in college, the big deal was, you know, I never had the dreams of just moving away or, or doing any of those things. But, you know, I, I so, you know, I, I, I discovered my life in different ways. I traveled and, but, but a career, I was never going to go work for somebody else. I was always going to fit whatever it was. I was going to do it on my own. But, um, you know, you, you sort of get out of college and you, you have these lofty ideas of what you want to be and what you want to do. And I, and I don't think I ever had those ideas. Uh, I, I was a very deep thinker. I was more of a philosophical thinker. I, I, I wanted to know the meaning to life. I wanted to live life. And I certainly didn't want to do it behind a desk or, or for somebody else. And yet what I did discover was this, as I had my own employees, as I had people that I was taking care of and, and that the money I was giving them and they, that they earned was taking care of their families, is that I had a responsibility to, to other people's lives as a business owner. And I took that pretty seriously. I mean, I was taken advantage of a thousand times, but I still never denied people. You know, if, if one of my employees needed a, a, you know, money ahead of time, I would give it to them. They would pay, we would take it out the next page, out of the next paycheck. I I got involved with getting groceries, and I, mean, I just was involved in their lives because they they weren't making a lot of money. And um, for me, that was almost started to become more important than actually the business that I was running. It felt like I was, you know, helping people find jobs so that they could help and make them, their lives better. And, 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 I, and I realized very quickly that the meaning of life and, and how to really experience life was, yeah, God's given us a beautiful world, a beautiful creation, but it really was about how we are interacting with other human beings and what good we're doing for other people, how we're loving other people, helping other people, and giving to other people. And yet, honestly, I, I realized when I started to grasp hold of that, my business became less important in the and people became more important. And that's when I started really to discover 
my true calling, which had always been there since I was a kid, to go into the church and really make this my living. I never thought that I could, I wasn't going to be rich doing it by any means, but but certainly that I, you know, could uh, have a legacy instead of, you know, anything else. You know, it wasn't about anymore dying with the most toys. It was about how many people, I mean, how many people could I help? How many people could I love? How many people could I give this life-giving message of, of Jesus to? All right, and and I chose to do that with the rest of my life. Now, that being said, I think for a lot of us, what happens is we miss opportunities. Now, everybody's not called to be a pastor and a preacher and all that stuff, and that's fine. And and I pray to the Lord that you don't do what I do, okay? Because it's not easy. It's 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 just not easy. I've always recommended to people go. Whoever asked me about going to ministry, ministry, I say, you know what, go around the world several times before you do this because once you're in it it's hard to 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 find time to do anything else so not everybody's going to do this but but what everybody has the opportunity to do is be used by god to help other people so whether it's in your own business your own career in your own life whatever it is you have the chance to help another human being and make that life better and yet every single day we miss opportunities don't we we miss opportunities to help and serve and to give and to, and what we do is we just make excuses. We really make excuses, and it means, you know, I showed this video in, in, in the church one day. It was about the guy comes up on the screen and a thousand people are looking at it, and the guy goes, "You've got a big butt," and every you could see every everybody just the deep breath everybody took. You know, you've got a big butt. Everybody's got a big butt. And, you know, of course, it was a it was a pun on obviously what we sit on. But but everybody does have a huge butt, a big excuse, a, a, a big, you know, moment where they're saying, you know what, I've got something better to do and I got a reason to do something else. And what we're doing is we, we miss and we excuse our way out of being used by God to make other people's lives, uh, you know, abundant and to change the course of other people's lives as he has changed our course and, and changed our trajectory. And so there is, there's the, where the rub lies, you know, as much as your life has been affected by what God's done in your life, then all of a sudden he starts to ask you to do the same for other people. We have a big, butt. we just say, you know what, I'd rather sit on it, <laughs> you know, and, and not do anything else. Um, when I, when I think about that, I, I think of my sister, Elizabeth, who's, you know, got a family and just, she's got a wonderful life, got great kids. I, I, you know, her husband, Carl's okay. So there's this point when we were little kids, we'd always be taken to the duck pond and the duck pond was literally, it was a cemetery where we lived, but it had this beautiful pond. All these ducks were on it. We'd go feed the ducks. And, uh, you know, there's Elizabeth with a big bag of wonder bread and dad's filming this, and this is, you know, this is when it wasn't silent movies. We didn't have audio with the movie, so, I, you know, you just had the the, vi- the the video. So he's taking the video, and he's ad-libbing, of course, whenever we watched it, but, uh, you know, after after it was recorded. But, you know, there's Sissy uh, sitting on the edge of the duck, uh, edge of the pond, and we saw, you know, she, she Sissy was a big kid, just a chubby she had chubby little arms and stuff like that and she shoved that arm down in the wonder bread she pull out a piece of bread and she'd throw it out 
into the water and the ducks would just gobble it up and you know and and, and on the film you see her shoving it in there and her arm in there throwing that next piece of bread out and and all of a sudden you see her shove her arm in there and she's about to throw it and she looks at the bread and she eats it okay so so this became so one it started to become one piece of bread for the ducks another piece of bread for sissy for elizabeth and then then all of a sudden it became you could see just all of she's just eating the bread well all of a sudden i'm on the other side and i hear this screaming and the ducks had gotten so perturbed that she wouldn't share that they had gotten right up all around her and started you know ducking or whatever the sound they quacking you know and uh she's screaming to high heaven because she thinks she's going to get eaten by ducks but but it is you know and she did she is alive to this day but she but what was funny was and it's human nature that you know all of a sudden what was what was something that we were doing for somebody else becomes then something we want to do for ourselves and what i mean by that is when we're doing something for somebody else, I think God wants us to be able to have our calendar open, have our hearts open, have our minds open, be fluid, and be willing to be used at any point in time, be willing to stop, reschedule, do whatever it is. And when we do that, and we do it well, we feel great. But a lot of times what happens is, and that's when we're feeding those, you know, chunking the bread out, just, we don't care. But all of a sudden, when we start Asking what's in it for us, asking how much is this going to cost, asking is this going to, am I going to share too much of my resources or my money or my time? I mean, is this going to hurt my heart? Is this going to put my family in danger? Is this what, all of a sudden we start looking out of the landscape and we start counting the cost of where God is asking us to serve. And all of a sudden we decide not to, to share that or share, share ourselves any longer, you know, and, and we become more selfish about our lives. And that's that's just a fact. As Sissy started eating the bread, she became selfish about what it, you know, the thing that she was first giving out is the very thing she started to consume. And and I think that that becomes a problem because once we start doing that, we 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 really do miss life. You know, I mean, my Lord tells me that there is a place where I'm going to have to start believing that people. And the needs of other people are more important than my needs. That's an interesting place, isn't it? You know, that, that all of a sudden that somebody else's needs are more important than my needs. And when that happens, when that f- sort of light switch goes off, then all of a sudden we, we still have responsibilities for our families. We still have to go to work. We still have to do all of that. And I'm not saying you quit all of that and you and you you shirk those responsibilities. That would be silly and stupid. No, but I am saying this, that there is a place when you start to believe that other people are more important, as as our Lord thought of us, that we are more important than his own life, that that when we do that, that we trust that God is still going to provide for our needs as we are giving to other people. And, you know, but, but it's going to take us believing that with all of our hearts. Uh, one of the things that Christ tells us is, you know, what profits a man to uh, gain the world but lose his soul? And, and if you really think about that statement, that's so true, isn't it? If you think about your life, how are you trying to gain the world? Because I, I believe there's, there is a give and take there. 
the, the more we gain the world, the more, the more we lose our soul, the more we lose our soul to, you know, to, uh, the more hardened we become to the feelings of others, the more cynical we become to, to others, the more uh, jealous we become of others, the more envious, the more, whatever you, whatever it is, you name it, because the more we take in of the world, the more we conform to that world and we conform to what it believes and what it wants. And generally what the world wants is, is what, you know, it's convincing you to do only for yourself. It's convincing you to, to, you know, die with the most toys, uh, and convincing you to think only about yourself. And what it really does very strategically is it convinces you that you're doing all of that because you have a responsibility to your family. You know what? You, you can't share those resources. You can't share that time because you have to raise a family. You have to, you know, you, that, that is a responsibility and God certainly want, wouldn't want you to shirk that responsibility. And, uh, you know, I believe with all of my heart that when we believe that, that is a lie from the, from the enemy, that, that he, if he, if you're believing that lie and telling yourself that lie, then, then what you've really done is if you, as you said, that nothing else is important but me and, and nothing else is as important as what I need and what I want. Now that's a very dangerous place to be. I want you to think about that. And, And I'm probably speaking to Christians right now more than anybody else. Because if if we have a God that thinks we're the most important thing than anything else, so much so that he would give his only son and to die for us on a cross, where is it that we are being asked to do the same for others? And we are being asked to do that. We're, ask, we're being asked to love one another as he has loved us, to go out and tell people about him and to share th- that with people. And so why, why aren't we? What, what's made you stop doing that? And all you got to do is think about what you do during the week. What's your pattern? You know, what, how are you leading your family into the pattern? Is your pattern getting up, going to work, coming back home, doing the same thing over and over again every single day? And then on the weekends, you, you know, you, you, you rest on Sunday and do it all over on you, the kids go to sports and you do it all over again. And then by the end of the year, can you really count up all the times that you've served other people? Can you, can you count up the times that you've, you know, given of yourselves uh, to your church and to the mission of the church. Can you, can you count the times that you said, you know what, we might want to do that, but this is what we're going to do today. We're going to give up something of ourselves. You know, I've always asked the children at Christmas, what's their favorite. And I've said this to you on another podcast, but it's, it, it, it fits, you know, what, what, it, what is the most favorite toy you ever got uh, for Christmas? What did Santa bring you? And they'll start yelling all this. And I said, well, well, why don't we bring it next week and we're going to give it, we're going to collect all of our favorite toys and let's give them away to other kids who are in need. And, you know, there's a silence. And it's rightfully so because it hits them right where it, you know, it, it, it pains them the most. I mean, they certainly don't want to give up the thing they love the most. Abraham didn't want to give up Isaac. It was, he loved him the most. Yet God said, I, I want you to go sacrifice your son. And so there's, there's this place where in, in order to be able to give up our lives, we have to be able to let go of something. And, and I'll never forget, it's kind of like, in the uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, there's this scene. I forget which they've made so many of them. I forget it was the Chalice one. They were looking for the um, the Chalice, you know, and and he goes on the search. And he, him and his dad, Sean Connery's in that one, and um, they they at the end anyway. So, <clears throat> long story short, they're 
you know, they, they get the chalice out, but they can't take it out because if they take it out, well, they find out that the whole place will crumble. If they remove the chalice, the chalice can't be removed. The Holy Grail, that's it. And so they, they bring the chalice out, okay, and the whole place starts to break apart, and the, the earth splits in two, the floor splits in two, and the chalice falls into the ground. And here is where the, his, the girl that he supposedly loved, one of the scientists, is hanging on to the edge of the rock and, and looking at, staring down this huge chasm, but she sees the, the chalice there, and it's just, just, a, 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 just like a hand, like six inches away. She can barely reach it, and, and you know, Indiana just is going, no, don't, it's not worth it, it's not worth it, just grab hold of me. Well, she ends up slipping and going into the cavern. Well, then Indiana Jones finds himself in the same position, and his dad is, you know, he's like, but dad, it's right there. It's what you've been searching for all your life. I, I just, I can almost get it. And he, and he says, you know, son, it's time to let go. And, you know, finally Indiana comes to his senses and, and grabs hold of his dad's hand and he pulls up and of course he lives. But, but that's where we find ourselves in a lot of times in, in that position where we're having to choose. And we think we can hold on to both things. We think we can have everything we want and then be able to do everything our God wants. And and that's not true. Abundance doesn't come in everything that we want. It comes in being used by God with in everything that he wants for us. And and so we're going to have you have to let go of one to embrace the other. And and in my world what we call that is dying to your old self. What in in my Christian world is what we call that is you have to die to all of these these moments of greed moments of power and position and the desire for things and bigger paychecks and bigger, you know, uh, vacations and, and all this other stuff. And, and yet you can have all of those things, but you have to put them in perspective. You have to be willing to let them go in order to serve somebody else. I mean, you cannot serve yourself and serve somebody else at the same time. Just like Jesus says, you can't have two masters. You're going to, either you're going to you, you can't have money and, and God. You can't serve both masters. You're going to either hate one or love the other. And you can't do both, all right? And so when we're dealing with life, it's interesting how we, we what God is really asking us is to put life in perspective. Yes, you can have, you can create wealth and create all of those things, but if that's what you're holding on to so tightly, then you're going to miss what life is really all about. You're going to miss helping other people. You're going to miss serving other people. You're going to miss real abundance. And there's where I think that often we do. We'll make excuses for ourselves and say, you know what, but this is where God is putting me, and this is where God is, at. you know, I've been given all of these wonderful contracts and business, and, you know, now I have to big build build bigger silos and, it, you know, all this. I've got, I've got to have bigger houses to hold all the stuff and, and, and that's not what God is saying at all. He's saying, look, what I really want you to do is stop. I want you to surrender to me. And I want you to give all of this up. And I want you to follow me. And again, he says that literally to the rich man. And the rich man couldn't follow him. He said, sell everything you have and, and give it to the poor and follow me. And the thing is, is that what God really wants from us is our heart. He doesn't want your wealth. He doesn't want your you know, the house doesn't want any of those things. He just wants your heart. And when he has your heart, then all of a sudden, when he truly has our heart, then he will show us the things that are the most important. 
And the things that are the most important are the things that are eternal, that last forever. They're not things that we put in our garage. They're not things that we adorn on our bodies. Uh, they don't become the moments that, you know, or, you know, the, the, the boats and the cars that we can buy. It becomes all about relationships. The, the, what really becomes, when he has our hearts, the most important things, the eternal things, are the relationships that we create, not only with our God, first and foremost, but because of our God, the relationships we create with people and how we love people and how we help people and how we nurture people and how we uh, sacrifice for people and, and share the message of, of of the gospel with people. And uh, and I think that that becomes a legacy for us. I mean, that truly becomes a living legacy when you're able to, I mean, and, and I've buried a thousand people, but when it comes down to, to standing over somebody's body and, and describing their life, you know, there's certain people that you have to sort of really make up stuff for because they really just live life for themselves. But then, you know, I just buried a, a man, Pete, uh, Averill, and just, you know, it wasn't hard to bury Pete. It wasn't hard to celebrate Pete because he was such a good person. And he was such a giving person and such a loving person. And, yeah, there were more tears than you could ever imagine. But, man, we were so happy that Pete was enjoying a new life with Jesus because he left a legacy with us. And and I'm hoping maybe if we can look at our lives, as much as we look at our lives as what kind of legacy are we going to leave in the world, maybe it's more what kind of legacy we're going to leave on somebody else's heart. And if we can leave a legacy on a heart, okay, that can be a change generationally for that person and for that family. When you take somebody out of their, out of their greed, out of their selfishness, out of their valley, out of the world, and you get to, and you show them what real life looks like, you change, you change, you can change generations of that family and the trajectory of a family for generations because of your kindness, because of your time that you shared, because of the resources you gave. And uh, that makes, that's an eternal imprint upon somebody's life. That's an eternal moment that, that can, can just change a heart. And those are the legacies I'm looking forward to continue leaving. I pray that they will be for you. But man, it, it's going to be us recognizing the moments to stop, the moments to give, the moments to help. The, the, those are the moments to, that define us. Not anything that we can put in the bank. Those are the moments that we should be looking for because those are the richest moments, uh, the ones that we uh, pour into another human being's heart. Hey, listen, you might find yourself right now struggling with that in your own life. You might find yourself, you know what, there's just something missing. There's, there, I just don't have a, I, I don't feel like I'm being fulfilled. I'm, I, it, it's just not happening. Well, I'm going to guarantee you that if you're ask, asking those questions of yourself, those are the same questions I ask myself. I'm going to tell you the only way to find them is when we start losing and giving up what we used to think was so important and start holding on and clinging to the most important things. And that's first our Lord, and then that's to help other people. What defines real meaning and purpose is when we're giving and helping others. Hey, listen, cannot wait to see another episode of Dug Up, Dusted Off. Hope you have a great week loving and helping those around you. You take care. God bless. Bye. If you're listening to this message, you've listened to the entire episode of Dug Up and Dusted Off. And for that, we want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. 
We also love for you to share this episode with those who might be interested in this topic that we talked about today. Also, feel free to let us know what topics you'd like to see covered in future episodes. Hey, listen, you can do that by going to www.jimmcrae.tv and leave us a comment and contact us through that website. We'd love to see you next time on Dug Up and Dusted Off, and we hope you have a great week.